Hi folks, welcome to our Jet Centra podcast. I'm Free Press Sports Editor Steve Lines, and I'm joined as usual by sports columnist Mike McIntyre. Mike, I'm in my office here in Winnipeg on uh, 1355 Mountain Avenue. You're in the hub city of Edmonton. That's um, uh, Marriott. Where, where are you staying in Edmonton, Mike? It's called uh, it's called the Element Element Hotel. It's um, oh. yeah, it's actually a new member of the Marriott family. I think it was actually part of a different hotel chain, and then Marriott like bought up a bunch of of chains, and so Element uh, became part of it. So it's uh, it's who not thinks, who thinks of that? Who thinks of a name like the Element? I don't know. I mean, I have an element in my hotel room because I have a kitchen, um, but I don't think I don't think that's why they named it the element. Uh, it's it's um, yeah. It's supposed to be. They're like longer stay type hotels because they're they're like all suites and and with the kitchen and stuff. Um, it's been great. You call it that, then. Maybe yeah. Like or, or it has the elements of home. <laughs> we're going to need to investigate this. There was something else you were supposed to investigate for this week. I can't remember what it was, but we were we were confused about something. And the, uh, that's right. And I can't I, yeah, I can't remember it either. We're, we might actually have to go back and listen to our podcast, which we've probably never done before. <laughs> um, so it's um, Wednesday, August the fifth. Um, last night, Tuesday, August the fourth. Uh, or late yesterday afternoon, uh, the Jets lost game three of their series with the Flames. They were kind of whacked six to two, empty net goal, so it was five to two. Um, they are now down in the series two to one. And game four is Thursday, tomorrow, at uh, again, 9.30 p.m. Yeah. for game four. So the Jets are facing elimination. Um, uh, I don't know. Like uh, game three, the team looked uh, undermanned, a little overwhelmed. Um, certainly, you know, on the part, they gave up a couple of power play goals. Um, do they still have a chance in this series? You think they do still have a chance, and I only say that because of the the resiliency or the bounce back that they seem to almost become part of their DNA this year, right? Like just when you figure that, that you can, you can start writing the obituary, they seem to, to rise from the dead. And I'd look at Monday's game as a perfect example. I mean, that was a game, I think after losing Mark Shifley, Patrick Laine due to injury, um, Jets are reeling, you know, they weren't really in game one, so you figure, well, this is going to be over in three, and then they come out with a, a pretty gutsy effort that obviously they could have used another one of those on uh, on Tuesday. Um, you know, was that a case where they just kind of got it all out of their system and that's really the best that they, they can muster? Maybe. Uh, but I wouldn't totally count out the Jets coming up with at least one more kind of surprising effort here. And, and it all goes to me, Steve, to the guy in net. Like, Connor Hellebuck did not have a good game in Game 3, and and I dare say he's just kind of been average so far through all three games. This is a guy who is a favorite to win the Vesna. There was MVP talk. Um, could he could he 
win out by himself. Absolutely, he's capable of it. He did it a lot of times during the regular season. So I almost feel like we're that's another storyline that has to drop here. A, a Connor Hellebuck, you know, saves the Jets from themselves. And did you hear his post game comments yesterday, Steve? By the way, oh, I didn't fight no. So I'll admit I'm a bit of a wrestling fan. More when I was a kid, Connor Hellebuck sounded like a pro wrestler cutting a promo on his on his opponent after the game yesterday. Um, he he basically vowed that he's going to make life miserable for Calgary from for the rest of the series. He said that they're going to have to scratch and claw for everything they get from now on. Like. He, all, all that was missing is him, like, ripping his shirt in half like Hulk Hogan used to do. Um, I don't know if it's just bravado or or just confidence. or I mean, Connor Hellebuck is kind of known for that, but my goodness, he sort of threw the gauntlet down. And as a result, I mean, he better be prepared to back up his words with some actions. But I am expecting to see, you know, Connor Hellebuck do do a lot better than he has so far in this series. And for that reason, yeah, the Jets could absolutely force this to a game five. I still don't think, though, with the injuries they have, that they really have the horses here to pull this out. But I wouldn't completely put it past them finding a way to take this series to the max. Well, good for Hellebuck. Um, I've felt that Hellebuck has become, um, and I know he's a goalie, but I've felt that he's become a leader on this team for a little while now. He's a leader with his play on the ice for sure. And and I think some of the things he's done off the ice uh, over the last 18 months or so have also shown leadership. And, you know, I mean, it took Paul Maurice's rant to get them going in game two. Maybe a Connor Hollebeck rant will get them going. You know, to say that the the Flames are going to have to scratch and claw for everything they got, I would suggest that the Flames actually have done that. Um, I've been impressed by their scratching and clawing, really. Um, I have not been overly impressed by the scratching and clawing of the Jets, uh, save for that that one game. Um, I I know Halibut needs to play better, maybe, but um, there's some guys that, listen, Blake Wheeler doesn't have a point. Kyle Connor doesn't have a point. Um, I know you've lost your number one center in Mark Shikley. I get that. Um, Nick Ehlers has scored. Um, Adam Lowry has got points. Uh, Jack Roslovic has points. Andrew Kopp has two goals. Uh, you know, I, I think personally uh, this falls with those two guys. They're the ones making $8 million and $7 million a year, respectively. And I think that those two guys need to put a pucker goal uh, two in the in the net. Right. Um, Flames forwards have been impressive. I've been really, really impressed with the Flames forwards. Um, guys like Michael Backlund and uh, Elias Lindholm's a great, great hockey player. Well, I knew that, and so, so, so is Kyle Connor apparently, and so is yeah. Blake Wheeler. So, um, um, so I just think that the star forwards, personally, of the Flames have been much better than the high-paid star forwards of the Jets. I sort of used that in my game story in the paper uh, today, Steve, That because the contrast was quite striking to me that you had, if you look at who Calgary's top five are, and we all talk about Winnipeg's top five, you know, Shifley, Lyonet, Ehlers, Wheeler, Connor, 
And I've said before, I think you could stack those five against any five in the league when they're at their best. The, the Jets are as good as anybody. But uh, right now the Jets are without two of those five. Another one in Ehlers, he's doing his job. But the other two have been, you know, you could find them on the side of a milk carton right now in Blake Wheeler and Kyle Connor. Contrast that with the Flames' big five. They all scored last night in game three. Backland, Monaghan, Gaudreau, Kachuk, and Lindholm. So that's, the Jets need more of that, absolutely. They need more from the captain and from Kyle Connor. For sure, and it showed up, on, especially on special teams, where, you know, Calgary has just gone to town on the power play and the Jets have not. I mean, you know, the Jets had a 5-on-3 the other night where they did score. I mean, you know, they still won the game, right? Um, but um, their power play has not been great. Now, I get it. You're missing Shifley and Liney. I get that. But there's a lot of other guys that are also apparently NHL stars that can score, and so they need to. They, they do. And just to finish that thought, the power play, they do have two power play goals. It's not great. But to me, it's more the penalty kill that is just atrocious. And um, Mark Shifley and Patrick Laine don't kill penalties. So there's no excuse. They're not missing personnel on the penalty kill, but they are, um, they're, they're getting caved in and they're taking too many penalties and they're not able to kill them off. And that is ultimately killing the Jets. Jet Central podcast, Mike. We ended the first period there, just mentioning penalties. So let's let's just go back a little bit here on a, 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 a non-penalty. Um, let's talk a little bit about what happened in Game One of this series uh, with uh, Matthew uh, Kachuk um, hitting uh, Mark Shifley uh, with a skate. Uh, we don't know exactly what this is what this has done uh, to Shifley and what the injury is. Um, you know, I'm just not a fan of this punk behavior. That, uh, and I'm going to call it that. I'm getting, I'm getting tired of punk behavior in in the NHL, and, and that goes for on and off the ice, frankly. But uh, Matthew Kachuk is a punk, and um, and the NHL to me seems like they need to do something about this. Like they have a penalty; it's called unsportsmanlike conduct. Now, in my mind. Matthew Kachuk, before this series even started, was displaying unsportsmanlike conduct. I mean, they hadn't even dropped the puck, and he was being a a punk. Um, and then, and then on the first shift, he was running around uh, hitting people, just being punkish again. And I hate to keep using that word, but that's what it just seems like to me. And if any of those are called, any of those penalties are called. Potentially, Mark Shifley doesn't get injured. On a, right. You know, and, and, and I'm not going to say that Matthew Kachuk purposely injured Mark Shifley. I don't believe that for a second. But it, it's just like if you're running around being an idiot, you know, things like that are going to happen. And the NHL just doesn't seem to, like, it's just like, like, do something about this guy. He's, you know, like, I, I don't know. Am I, am I being like a... Uh, you know, too hard on this guy or what? No, no, you're not. You you could actually get in line, Steve, behind uh, Zach Cassian, behind Drew Doughty. Like, is there a person on the planet that hates Matthew Kachuk more than Drew Doughty? Um, yeah. Some listeners may recall the running feud between Doughty and Kachuk. Like, Drew Doughty hates 
Matthew Kachuk with every fiber of his being. And there's has not been like on him. No. No, there isn't. No. Um, now, the one thing he can, like, I agree he's a punk. Um, he's, he's, he's more than a one-dimensional punk, I guess, because he actually has some game, right? Like, he led the sure. Flames in scoring this year. Yeah. Um, in that sense, he's almost a throwback, isn't he? Like, you don't see... I guess Brad Marchand is kind of like that as well. Is, is uh, Keith Kachuk... Yeah, I mean... But you're right. You know he, so much, do you remember a guy... I don't know if you remember, this was before, maybe before your time, but you might remember a guy named Ken Linsman. I was Ken, just going to say, the rat. Yeah, Kenny Linsman. The rat. Yes. Oh, the rat, right? And so, and like, you know, it was just, he was just not a classy hockey player. Like, it just showed no sportsmanlike sportsmanship at all. And so, and it's the same with Kachuk here. It's just like, this is, and I don't know why the NHL doesn't do something. It's, it's clearly, why is it? A penalty when you tap a guy on the elbow as you're skating down the ice, <laughs> or right. fling your stick a little bit like Josh Morrissey did yesterday, and got a slashy penalty. And yet Matthew Kachuk can cross check Mark Shifley in the back, and this was prior to the injury. He, he it was him in the back. And let me and, and let me let you in on a little sound of the rink that I heard. So that first shift of game one. He does give him, that, that was along the boards near the Calgary bench, cross-check Shifley after the play, no whistle. And somebody, and I, I don't know if it was Kachuk or someone else on the Flames bench, but actually the Jets bench was naturally upset about that initial play. And somebody screams to Shifley, keep your bleeping head up, as if to say, like, that was Shifley's fault for what, not keeping your head up to being cross-checked from behind when you're not expecting it? Yeah. And that's that's one of the quirks, Steve, of these empty rink games. Like, last night, um, Matthew Perot takes a, uh, a pretty hard hit from Sam Bennett that I thought should have been interference because, to me, Matthew uh, Perot didn't even have the puck. Um, and he gets crumpled into the boards, whether or not it was a hit from behind. It was more from the side, but... It clearly injured Matthew Pro, who's been injury-prone his whole career, um, and he gets knocked out of the game. Milan Lucic, as trainers are, are taking Pro off the ice, Milan Lucic says, that's what you get for bleeping diving. As, as an injured Matthew Pro is going off the ice, like you talk about unsportsmanlike conduct, it's been on full display in this series uh, right, from the, right from the opening puck drop. Yeah, and, and I, I just, I don't get that. I mean, I, I, I guess there's been that kind of, uh, I don't know, that type of mentality, let's, let's use that, like we're in-your-face mentality in sports forever, and, and there's, you know, intimidation has always been used, but it just seems to be, I don't know, I mean, is it is it is it worse than it used to be? I, I don't know, I just seem to notice it more, maybe I should. Sure. Not interested in it anymore. Maybe that's it. Um, I just and don't think that there's a place for it in the game. Like uh, you know, there's too many really, really good skilled players. And hockey can be a really, really entertaining game. But frankly, you know, Mike, it's stuff like that that just makes me not want to watch. You know, and it's just like yeah, I really don't want. Like I, there's no reason why a minor slash is called or a you know, a minor hook is called, and, and that type of stuff is not called. It makes no sense to me. 
a nutshell why the NHL will probably never be a league like the NBA in terms of popularity, especially in the U.S. Look at the NBA and the way it not only promotes its stars, but protects its stars. I mean, sometimes I think you could make the argument in the NBA, it's actually, they go too far towards protecting the stars. You know, it's almost laughable the way like superstars like LeBron James and Kobe Bryant used to be able to get away with traveling but in terms of the way they call fouls, like there's like the, the superstars get the, the protection because the NBA knows that's our bread and butter. Like that, they are the face of our league. You don't see that in the NHL. Like there's that mentality in hockey that, that everybody's kind of on equal footing. And you almost wonder sometimes, does the NHL need to adopt that NBA mentality? And when you talk about stars, Mark Scheifele's the star of the Jets, right? And he, he gets, you're probably knocked out for the series five minutes into game one and nobody really bats an eye over it, I guess, other than Paul Maurice. Um, but the NHL does nothing. There's no fine. There's no suspension. Like, is that what the league wants, really? Yeah, that's ridiculous. I mean, you know, like, I, listen, I don't, I'm, not a, I'm not a Jets fan. And frankly, I, I'm not crazy about watching hockey in these, on these nice August days. And so, you know, there's, there's part of me that the sooner the Jets are out, the better, right? You know what I mean? Like, I right. it's irrelevant. Whatever happens, happens. If they go on, we'll cover it, right? You know what I mean? But, but I mean, it's it, as a Jets fan, it's an absolute travesty that, you know, after waiting months, you know, through the pandemic and, and your team is going to get back and, you, you know, you have these hopes that maybe your team is going to be have a nice playoff run. They were a really good team at, uh, prior to the league being shut down. And then some idiot is allowed to take out one of your best players five minutes into the game. Like, it's ridiculous. That's It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. All right, folks, we're back from the third period of our Jet Center podcast. Mike, I was using the word ridiculous a lot. At and punk. I'm not sure how many times I said it, but I'm going to say it again in this period. Okay, now here's something that's absolutely ridiculous. The CFL has still not decided whether they're going to play this year or not. Um, what's even more ridiculous with a capital R and all the other word, all the other letters capitalized is that Randy Ambrosi, the commissioner of this league, is nowhere to be seen. Like, he hasn't made any type of statement we have no real clue as to what he's doing to try to uh, have a season this season you know Jeff Hamilton our crack football writer is going to have a column in tomorrow's paper about the disappearance of Randy Ambrosi frankly I think he really needs to disappear like forever from this league because if, if they do not have a season this year I think it completely falls at his feet. Like it's just, it's just ridiculous that that they haven't decided what they're going to do yet. It's August the fifth, as I mentioned, and it's the silence has been deafening. Yeah, to use the same analogy I used for Blake Wheeler and Kyle Connor, I mean Randy Ambrosi could be on the side of a melt carton as well as a as a missing person. And you know, I was thinking if we were like a cheeky tabloid, like you see in New York, the New York Post or whatever, they would probably have. You know, a picture of the commissioner on the side of a milk carton to go with tomorrow's column. 
Um, you know, who would have thought, Steve, that the Winnipeg Jets season could be over before the CFL has even made a decision about its season? Like, would you have taken that bet a couple months ago? Well, no. You know, I, I just I, I would have thought that something would have uh, been decided by now, or they would have found a way by now to to put on a season or decide they weren't going to have one. Um, it seems to me uh, the hold up, the hold up here is money. Okay, so whether they'll have enough money to do the hub city in Winnipeg, and so the the most recent. Um, search for money is, is a $30 million interest-free loan from the government. I'm not exactly sure how a losing corporation <laughs> paid back a $30 million loan. Um, but, you know, I'm, so I'm not sure whether they're going to get that loan. And if they can't get that loan, there won't be a season, I guess. Um, I, I guess. I, who knows? Um, but on the subject of money, um, Jeff also did a column in our paper last Saturday where he had five things to kind of look at in this situation, the one that really jumps out for me, Mike, is, is, the, is the money, and not the money that they need, is that the money that they're actually spending now. So they want the players to come back and play a six-game season and playoffs for a third of their salary. Now, the players right. are not we're excited about that. They think that they should get more. Normally, I'm, I have been traditionally somebody who would suggest you get paid for what you play, right? But in, in this instance, you know, with facing COVID and et cetera, et cetera, and CFL players don't make a whole lot of money, you know, I think that they deserve a little bit more. And, and, and the contrast and the hypocrisy here, in my mind, and I'm going to use, I'm not going to use Randy Ambrosi, although I could, I'm going to use Bomber's head coach, Michael Shea. Michael Shea, our estimates is is that he makes about five hundred thousand dollars a year, and apparently they've taken a twenty percent pay cut, so he's going to make four hundred grand this year. That's a lot of money to be doing. We don't know what because, right. frankly, I don't know these game planning, and you can only watch so much film. And so I don't blame the players for being irate that all of these executives and coaches and managers are getting paid while a lot of them are really trying to make ends meet just to feed them, you know, feed themselves and their family right now. Like I'd be a little pissed off too. For sure. And you look at some other organizations, Steve, including ours that had to take, you know, temporary pay cuts in the wake of, of the economic downturn. Right. And um, I'm not just trying to pat Bob Cox, our publisher on the back, but you look at how, like, that's how you should handle it, right? You you lead by example. You lead from the top. And so if the players have to basically take two-thirds of a cut in pay, I mean, shouldn't everybody else, if you're only going to play six games instead of 18, then shouldn't everybody be taking at least the same cut? Well, absolutely. You know, and, and so and some of that money that you're paying... Mike O'Shea or Richie Hall. That could go a long way, for sure. Or Kahari Jones or John Huffnagel or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, could go towards paying the players and could go towards financing this Hub City idea as opposed to uh, putting your hand out to the government. Like, it's just, you know, it's, it's, just, it's just ridiculous. And, and, and in my mind, I was looking back, I have this box of clipping 
save our clippings. Just uh, like my mom did. As yeah. I wrote in my 25-year piece. Yes, the binders in right. her basement. Yeah. So yes. I was looking through some clippings from 1991 here that I have, um, 29 years ago, around the, just prior to this or whatever, and, and I was writing a number of series of stories about, I was the bomber reporter at the time, and I was writing a series of stories about how I felt and some other people felt that the commissioner at that time, J. Donald Crump, should be axed for his handling of the TV contract that he was trying to get for the league at that time. Eventually, Crump was uh, axed, by the way. But um, I was only looking at that today because I'm going to say, frankly, that, that, that Randy Ambrosi should be fired. There's just the fact that he's been collecting this type of salary and accomplishing nothing. Listen, I'm not going to contend that I could be a better commissioner, and I'm not contending that I could be a better coach, but the results speak for themselves when it comes to these things, don't you think? It does, for sure, and I, I, I'm still hung up on the fact that there was a commissioner named Donald Crump. <laughs> and, and there was a Donald Crump, and now... And it's interesting you say that he was eventually axed because a lot of people would like to see Donald Trump, who's not a commissioner. I guess he's the commissioner of the United States, right? Um, a lot of people he would tell like, you. Yeah, he would tell you that. He probably thinks he's the commissioner of the NFL and of, of who knows what else. But, um, yeah, you know, you wonder, like, is the, is the government making the CFL, like, really throw open its books here as they consider their request? And if not, they should be. I see uh, Dave Naylor, uh, who's, of course, a, a CFL reporter with TSN. He's saying that, that there's a Board of Governors meeting set for Thursday afternoon. And, Steve, you'll love this. He said, won't use the word deadline, but it's possible, possible a decision on the season could come. Or it's possible they will continue to wait. Well, you know what? It might rain tomorrow, but it also might be sunny. Okay, folks, we're back for the overtime period of our Jet Cetera podcast. Mike, you've been in Hub City uh, of Edmonton. I like to call it the Hub City. <laughs> it's catchy. Um, it is catchy, yeah. Tell me what I should get like a t-shirt or something made, right? We should. I, I, I like That's not a bad idea. So what's going yeah. on in Alberta? What's going on in Edmonton these days? I'm dealing with uh, I'm dealing with a slight upper body uh, injury, Steve. It's not just the Jets players who are who are going down to injuries. Some of them of the freakish variety. It's the writers as well. I um, I suffered yesterday what is apparently known as a corneal abrasion, which in layman's terms is I cut my eyeball, uh, and I have no idea how I did it. All I can say is that yesterday, covering game three of this series was one of the more painful experiences I've ever had watching a hockey game because I could barely keep my right eye open. Like, it was it was sort of swelling shut. It was also leaking water like crazy. I don't mean to get too graphic for folks here. I'm sure there's people squirm, squirming in their seats, but... Like, it was just a leak fest out of my eye, plus the pain. It felt like, it honestly felt like somebody was just constantly jabbing me in the eyeball. I, I'm happy to report it's like 90% better today. I wow. got some medicated drops yesterday from a pharmacy, and they seem to have helped, as did 
keeping my eye closed all night while I slept. Although I didn't have a great sleep, lots of tossing and turning as a result of it. But yeah, my uh, I honestly thought I might have to like start wearing an eye patch. And speaking of like hidden treasures and plundering, um, but fortunately, uh, it looks like uh, I will be bringing both my eyes back fully intact when when I do come back to Winnipeg. That's good. So you have a mask on when you're watching the game, right? Yes. Over your I nose. Do. By the way, they showed Brad Treleving. Is that how you say Yeah, it? and I heard that he did not. He wasn't wearing it right, was he? No, he was wearing it just over his mouth, not over his nose. So um, I can tell you that there are mask police inside Roger's um, place. There are people, I guess they're like ushers, but there's no fans to usher. So right. they're... When I'm watching a game, Steve, I I am constantly being watched. There's like there's this elderly woman who's in our section who I feel like all she's I don't even think she's looking at what's happening on the ice. So there's constantly the urge to pull my mask down during the game, and right. every once in a while, like I'll take a sip of water, and of course you have to, right? But my goodness, I feel like. I feel like a little kid back in elementary school, you know, afraid of being called to the principal's office because I quickly pull the mask back up because I don't want to get that woman mad at me. I, did I did I hear that masks are now mandatory? They are know, everywhere, like inside everywhere. So I went to I, there's a Walmart right by my hotel. I went to pick up um, some groceries, including some green bananas, which folks. You can read more about that in the debut edition of my uh, newsletter that's coming out uh, later today where I talk about the relevance of green bananas. But anyways, I went to get some groceries yesterday, and I had no idea. Apparently, it just started on Saturday, August 1st. They implemented a mandatory mask policy in all public spaces. So, I mean, even my hotel, Steve, I noticed for the first time Monday, now has a sign saying I ha- you have to wear a mask just in the lobby of the hotel. That wasn't there late last week. So I asked, uh, because the guy at Walmart, the, the front security guy, he's like, you, you got a mask? Uh, no, do I need one? Yeah. Well, you can't come in then. Oh, when did this start? Saturday. So I walked back to my hotel, got my mask from in my room, um, and yeah, full compliance, and they're not even handing them out. So like, if you go to the store without your mask, you're out of luck. It's not like they have freebies there waiting for you. Well, I, 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 you know, I, was, I, I noticed uh, on the weekend here in Winnipeg, uh, I was in a superstore, uh, a couple of different superstores last week, actually, um, and way more people are wearing masks uh, yeah. out in pop indoors here in Winnipeg as well. And I guess there may be uh, some uh, mandatory use of them come September when the respiratory flu season comes along, but uh, um, so far there still isn't. Um, I believe okay, they're also, well, I believe they're making them mandatory also in, in all Alberta schools when they go back, which is something that Manitoba is has not so far committed to. I'll just say this, Steve, as a as somebody who has to wear glasses and I've never worn contacts, um, a king's ransom to somebody who can design a mask that somehow doesn't fog up. That to me, that's that's why I always have the urge to pull my mask down. I'm sitting there like at Rogers. It's like minus a thousand in the rink because it's freezing, but your breath is hot, and of course you get the condensation all the time on your glasses. 
add to that the fact that I could only see out of one eye yesterday, you could probably understand why I'm trying to unmask every now and then. Um, you, you need, like, I don't know, need windshield wipers or something installed on my glasses just to clear the vision, I guess. So take the mask. This is, this is, I, I did some Google research on this. So take the mask, and you put the mask on first, okay, over top of your nose. Make sure it's tight, as tight as you can around your nose. And then kind of slide your glasses along your nose over top of the mask. Try that. <laughs> okay. I, I was yeah. almost going to resort to the old, so I was a goaltender when I played minor hockey for 12 years. Shout out to the Gateway Flyers. And I, I had to wear sports goggles or spoggles, as my family now calls them when they joke about my sports goggles. Um, and I wore them under my goalie mask and they used to fog up. So the old trick that I remember as a kid is to you used to rub shampoo um, on the on your glasses and that apparently prevented fogging. I have not tried that yet with this mask policy, but maybe I'll try your solution first. I tried it and it works, it works half decently. So I guess we should wrap it up. Uh, I'm not sure when, uh, I was just, we should probably talk about this afterwards, but folks, we'll see you soon. Um, we're not sure. Next week, Mike, I'm going to be on vacation. Uh, I'm actually going biking again. I'm going back. Yes. Well, going up to Nipawa to visit with a guy that's building a bike track out there in Nipawa. And then I'm going to Mississippi. I never did get to ride down that. Right. Because it rains. So I'm doing that next Wednesday. Maybe while I'm out there, though, on the Wednesday, we could do the podcast in the afternoon. Let's see what's going on with the Jets. Uh, and uh, we'll make a decision and uh, folks we'll have another podcast for you at some point in time <laughs> sounds good enjoy uh, enjoy your week off sounds like a great one and I expect that I'll probably be back in Winnipeg next week but I guess we'll have to wait and see how these next game or two uh, shapes out for the Jets